Ephesians uh, chapter 6, verse 1. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with you, and you may live long on the earth. And you fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. And may God bless the reading of his word today is my prayer. You may be seated. Our message today would be built around these words of instruction that God gave to children and their dads. Children and their fathers. We might expect the instruction to be about children and their mothers. Especially in light of their cultural trends that we see around the world today where fathers are almost treated as if they were unnecessary, unimportant, and significant to the whole role of, of childbearing and all that goes along with it. I decided to preach on this concept before I learned that there was a book by Sheila Gregor titled Raising Kids You Actually Like. I hate it when I come up with a good concept for a message and then I get online and find out somebody's written a book about it. You know, that just kind of bugs me. Uh, but uh, I'm not, uh, not preaching a message based on that book, although I did get on Amazon and buy it for $3.95. And I read most of it and it was pretty good this week. It was, it was good. It's got some good ideas. Uh, but my premise is developed from the authority of Scripture with the idea that if we do what God says, the end result will usually be something that is both good and pleasant, even likable. Uh, kind of like God said in one of my favorite Psalms, Psalm 133 and verse 1, Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. Good and pleasant, enjoyable, likable. I wish this morning that I could start out by saying that every parent in the world loves their children and it's a natural kind of thing, but of course that's not the case. And I don't rely on my own experience, though I could, and I don't even call on you to rely on your own experiences, although you could. God himself said this. Isaiah chapter 49 and verse 15, God asked the question, Can a woman forget her nursing child and not have compassion, love, on the son of her womb? God said, yes, surely, surely they may forget. Yet I will not forget you. It is possible for parents to have children that they care almost nothing about. And you see it, and I see it. And my wife lives it every day through her work with Open Arms Shelter, in case some of you don't know what it is that Nancy does. Um, now, I always knew I loved my kids. And I think I can look over this crowd today and say that uh, you folks are in that same position. I mean, we love our kids for better or for worse. We do. We love them. Uh, but what was a surprise to me in raising my children is that they would actually grow up to be people that I liked. And no offense to anybody here, uh, but the, the honest truth is that I would rather be with my kids and grandkids than just about anybody. I mean, that, that's just the way it is. And 
when you're raising them, you don't really think about the fact that one of these days they're going to be adults and that you'll actually like them and like hanging out with them and spending time with them. And you kind of get aggravated then when they don't come around like you think they should. Amen? But that's not the focus of my message today. It's not about raising children that when they're adults that we're going to like them because the fact is that for the most part, uh, that's just a tribute to the fact that they're being good adults. They are adulting well. They're, they're good people, good citizens, good moms, good dads. They have great grandkids and wonderful grandkids and, and uh, we, we like them. That, that, that's not my point. My point today is about raising children, children, children that we'll like because we find them good and pleasant. Now, for those of you this morning who are past the parenting years, um, maybe this morning you can just give me a few amens. Maybe you can think of somebody who really needs to hear this message as I deliver it. And if so, remember, it'll be posted uh, by Monday or Tuesday at the latest because Brother Mark does such a great job. It'll be posted online and you can just send somebody a link to it and say, you ought to listen to this. Because, folk, I'm going to be looking at what the Bible says. It's very plain. It's a very simple passage. It's not uh, very hard to understand or interpret. I, I don't have to consult uh, a whole lot of, of, of Greek lexicons in order to try to figure this out. It says the same thing in Greek as it says in English. Children, obey your parents. Fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. One good thing that I did see in the book that I bought that I alluded to earlier was uh, what the writer called a parenting pyramid. Reminded me of this. I'd seen this somewhere before years ago. Maybe you have as well. The parenting pyramid. It describes how that parenting our children is a lot like a pyramid in the fact that as they are young in their early years, their toddler years, uh, our interaction with them needs to be very broad. Think about the base of, a, of the pyramid. They need a lot of rules. They need them enforced a lot. They need a lot of attention. They need a lot of discipline. They need a whole lot of very close supervision so that our parental interaction with them in those early years needs to be very broad. The goal is then as they get older that it will grow less and less. They'll need less and less rules Less and less enforcement of the rules until finally we get to the very top of the pyramid. And that's when we're ready to turn them loose in the world. And they're stable. They know how to live. They, they've been well prepared. And if you want a sobering thought, when we, for the most part, turn our children loose on the world, when we're not going to be supervising them as much anymore, is when we turn them loose to go to college most of the time. At the ripe old age of 18. Think about it. So early on in your life, they need a lot of rules and a lot of enforcement and a lot of discipline. But our goal is that as they get older then, they need less and less until finally we're not enforcing the rules anymore. 
problem is, and, and the, the writer suggested this, that in many, many homes today that people end up turning the pyramid upside down. And they're giving very, very little instruction, very, very little clear rules, not spending a lot of time with the kids, giving them clear enforcement and discipline when they're little. And when you do that, it doesn't mean the pyramid goes away. It just means it's turned upside down. So that as the kids get older, you find yourself having to try and give them rules. Until that last year that you've got them at home, they're 18 years old, and all of a sudden you're clamping down on them with everything you've got, just trying to enforce some rules and some discipline let me tell you something, at that age, it's hard to do. See, if we don't enforce this, if we don't teach them what it means to obey, if we don't give them clear rules and directions and consequences, if we don't do that when they're young as, as toddlers and in those young formative years, it's still got to be done and we've got to try to do it. But it gets harder and harder. I see it all the time. I see parents, um, I see kids, toddlers, two, three, four years old, they can barely talk. But they're, they're allowed to speak very disrespectfully and hatefully to their mom and dad with no correction. Um, they speak rudely, they behave rudely, there's no consequence. They allow the kids to blatantly disobey and disrespect them. I've, I've seen people... Uh, even bring their kids to me. Brother Rich, can you do something <laughs> to make my kids behave? Please don't use me as your disciplinarian, folks. And y'all don't. I mean, I haven't had much problem. Let me put in a disclaimer right quick. I've taken a whole bunch of your kids to church camp already. And let me tell you something. Y'all are raising some good kids. We've got some wonderful parents here. And y'all are, are, for the most part, doing a good job. Um, but I, I want to just simply this morning focus in very clearly, very carefully uh, on what this passage tells us and just remind ourselves of what an incredible role that we all play. The early years of uh, parenting our children are, are full of delight and they also try our patience and they give us memories that last a lifetime. I read recently about a mother who told the story of her four-year-old daughter who walked into the kitchen one day with her finger and her nose. And the mother said immediately, Haven't I told you not to pick your nose? To which the daughter responded, I'm not picking my nose. And the mother said, Well, just exactly what are you doing then? And she said, I'm checking to see if it needs to be picked. Kids try our patience. Sometimes they do. They also furnish us great delight. Without further ado then, let's jump in here. A couple of quick things. The first thing that the Bible tells us to do is require obedience. Require obedience. 
require obedience. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment, with promise that it may be well with you and you may, be long, may live long upon the earth. That would be awesome if every child could be born with these instructions already in their minds and hearts. But it doesn't work that way, does it? Children can't read. And so that means if they're going to be taught how to obey, somebody's going to have to teach them who can read. If they're going to be taught what the Word of God says, somebody's going to have to do it for them. And you know, that's exactly Paul is quoting here from the Old Testament law and how in the Ten Commandments God said, Honor thy father and thy mother that your days may be long upon the earth. He called it the first commandment with promise. All the other commandments came with a, a promise of only judgment. In fact, most of them were capital offenses. But, uh, I mean, terrible punishment. But this one came with promise. Honor your father and your mother so that your days will be long upon the earth. And doing so, then I think we're perfectly justified in going back to what Moses said in Deuteronomy chapter 11 and verse 18. Therefore you shall lay up these words of mine in your heart and in your soul and bind them as a sign on your head, on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall teach them to your children. Speaking of them... When you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise up. And you shall write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. That your days and the days of your children may be multiplied in the land of which the Lord swore to your fathers to give them like the days of the heavens above the earth. You see, Moses put these words of the Lord, God's word as a source of our blessing, as a source of our long life. Now, we don't, we don't walk around generally with, with frontlets between our eyes. I'm, I'm not sure when I saw that in America. I've seen it overseas. Uh, but I'm glad when I go in your home and I, I see the Word of God on your walls because you are, in fact, whether you realize it or not, you're obeying this passage of Scripture that tells you to write it, put the Word of God, on the walls of your home so that everybody is constantly reminded of how powerful and how important the Word of God is. Put it out there. Carry it around. Talk about it to your children. Talk about it when they get out of bed in the morning. Talk about it when they go to bed at night. While you're driving or walking around uh, driving these days, talk about the Word of God. Use your time to invest God's Word into the lives of your children. You see, when Paul said that children are then to obey, obey their parents, it is with this passage in mind, parents will be teaching their children the truth of God. Back earlier in Ephesians chapter 4, we had several different things that were referenced. Wherefore, putting away lying, he says, Speak every man truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. Be angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath, neither give place to the devil. Let him that stole steal no more, but rather let him labor, working with his hands the thing which is good, that he may have to give to him that needeth. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it might minister grace unto the hearers. And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby you're sealed unto the day of redemption. 
so many things that Paul tells us to do in this passage. He tells us, you teach your children to tell the truth. Always tell the truth. Teach them not to lie. Teach them how to control their temper. Uh, teach them how to uh, avoid giving place to the devil, to settle their differences quickly. Because if they carry those things on in their minds and in their hearts, uh, this will just continue uh, to build up. And it will give the devil then opportunity uh, to lead them in a way that they don't need to go. Teach them how to control their mouth. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. Oh, how that is needed in our world today. Teach them how to worship. Teach them not to grieve the Spirit of God. Teach them to work. Teach them to be generous. Hmm. You see, the principle of obedience, honor your parent, your father and your mother, uh, obey them, that principle of obedience carries with it the idea of contradicting our natural tendencies and inclinations and instead obeying uh, a higher standard that moves them beyond just playing and having fun. And if we're faithful in teaching them all the things that God has, has taught us, uh, then we'll fill up those 18 years pretty quickly. There is in this concept the idea of discipline. Children who are disobedient will be disciplined by their parents. Other passages are more specific. Proverbs 22 and 15, Foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child, but the rod of correction will drive it, drive it far from him. Proverbs 23, 13, Don't be afraid to correct your young ones. A spanking won't kill them. Amen. A good spanking, in fact, might save them from something worse than death. Uh, does the Bible teach corporal punishment? Very, very plainly it does, yes. Now, some of you might think, well, you know, that just don't work for my kids. I understand. I understand. Uh, some of my kids, corporal punishment just really took a good look, what they lovingly call the Richard Hamlin look of death. I'm sorry, I'd, I'd have to look at Kristen to be able to give it real good, and then I'd have to smile because I hadn't seen her in so long. But some of them, that's all it took. Uh, some of them, it took many, many other things. But uh, we have to apply discipline, and we have to do it lovingly and consistently. And we're going to talk more about that as we get into the second point, because the second one is, uh, number one, uh, we must require obedience. Because the Bible very specifically says it. Children, obey your parents. And it's not up to them to just figure that out on their own. Somebody is going to have to teach it to them. And that's us. Require obedience. And then he also says, bring them up. Bring them up. You fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture of the Lord. I can send somebody to the store. I can take them to school. But if I'm going to bring them, I have to be going myself. 
Do you understand? Isn't that a, a great passage of Scripture? Bring them up. Bring them up in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. Bring them up. And so we'll talk about that for just a moment and we'll be done. Begins then with a negative command. Uh, do not provoke your children to wrath. Now, this has been the subject of a lot of discussion in parenting books. Uh, the words provoke and wrath uh, should uh, capture your attention. Provoke not your children to wrath. They are the exact same word in the Greek text. Exact same word. It could be translated a number of ways. They could translate it exasperate, in which case you could actually read it. Don't exasperate your children to exasperation. If you want to anger, that's fine. Uh, don't anger your children to anger. Uh, don't irritate them to irritation. Don't annoy them to annoyance, whatever. Now, I have to admit that exasperating kids is a little bit fun. It, it is. It's kind of payback for all the times they do it to us. Uh, but uh, it's giving us some very practical instruction here. Uh, don't anger your kids to anger. You see, when we respond with anger at our kids and we lash out at them, most of what it does is create anger in response. If we're lashing out at them in frustration, most of what we're going to get back from them is frustration. They're just going to mirror and reflect back what we give them. And so the Bible tells us not to do that. Don't anger them uh, to anger. No matter how discipline is administered at that point, uh, the opportunity for it to be a teaching moment is gone. We surrendered that when we got mad. Don't anger your children to anger. And uh, instead, we're told to bring them along. Bring them, not tell them, not send them, not make them do whether they want to know. Bring them. And there's three concepts that are presented. Number one is the concept of nurturing them. Uh, nurturing means to bring to maturity by providing for their needs. One writer put it wonderfully well when they said that kids aren't microwavable. Kids are not microwavable. What he meant by that is there's no real shortcuts to parenting. Remember the pyramid. It, it takes some time, and you're going to spend it one place or the other. You'll either spend it on them when they're toddlers, or you'll spend it on them when it's teenagers. Uh, but let me tell you, I think we all know where the greatest likelihood of success is going to come in that. There's no microwave plan. Kids need our attention, and they need our time. They need our love, certainly. They need us to provide for them. I wish that that was a matter of course. But since this is going to be broadcast on the world wide web, I just want to say it. Yes, fathers should support and take care of their children's physical needs. Pay, get a job, pay the bills, feed them, clothe them, and do all the things that has to be done for them. Yes, yes, that is our role. To love them, to provide for them. But all of that cannot take away the emphasis on time, spending time with our kids. I did a search and found a question on a parenting forum from a young mother, and she asked this, what should I do when my two-year-old slaps me in the face? I'm not making this up. Real question. 
a two-year-old slapping his mama right in the face hard. When I read this, and I read down all the responses, and there was a lot of them, and some of them gave a good advice. I mean, two-year-old appropriate discipline. Uh, our first inclination, of course, would be to slap them right back. But there was reasons why they said that, that's not necessarily the right thing to do. Again, going back to that anger thing. What do we do when my two-year-old slaps me in the face? The reason I bring this up to you is that on all of the answers, and there were dozens of them, not one person, not one, suggested that the dad should take care of that. When a mom asks, what should I do when my two-year-old slaps in the face? My response would be, call his daddy. That's a daddy thing. Let dad take care of it. Certainly we should teach him no, but you know there's times when dads need to step in and be dad. And that's one of those times. Nurturing is used in another great passage in Ephesians that gives us a lot of information about what this means and what it looks like. In chapter 5 and verse 28, Husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself, for no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes it and cherishes it, just as the Lord does the church. What does nurturing look like? It is that inclination that we have to move past our own needs, our love of ourselves and show love and invest time in someone else, in this case, in our kids. When dads spend time with their kids, it gives them a strong sense of security, personal importance, self-worth. It's greatly needed for sons. His dad teach them strong lessons about worship and about work and about their witness, about how to live in the world and do all kinds of things. My, my boys, two of them, have come to me and said that they have personally spent time with grown kids their own age who had no idea how to work on anything, had no idea how really to use any tools or what even they were called. Never been even taught how to use a shovel, one of them said. Now, you'd think that was self-explanatory. <laughs> Dads need to teach their boys how to work, how to be men, how to provide for their family, how to be responsible. But you know their interaction with their daughters is important too. Obviously, many life lessons from daughters have to be learned from their mother, but dads teach them about true sacrificial Absolutely unconditional love. Paul gives a scathing report on manhood in the last days. In the times that he calls perilous in 2 Timothy chapter 2. Look at it. 2 Timothy chapter or chapter 3, rather, verse 2. For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, 
truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasure, more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof from such turn away. And we might think, well, Brother Rich, isn't that just about humanity in general? No. How do you know? Next verse, verse 6. For of this sort are those who creep into households and make captives of gullible women loaded down with sins, led away by various lusts. Paul talks about how men in the last days will become predators. And they're good at it. Sometimes not only predators of women, but also predators toward their own children. And as he describes them, he describes them as selfish, disrespectful, unthankful liars who don't keep their promises who love their own pleasure more than they love God or anybody else and we might think that those men could never be role models but they are they're just very bad ones very bad ones not all of them are found in gangs or on the streets because Paul says many of them have a form of godliness. The word form in that passage, think about a, a form used to pour concrete. When you put out the shell, the outward, and then you pour the concrete on the inside. What he's describing is godliness that is a hollow shell. It's a form. It's designed to look good, but it has no substance within. And they'll use that false godliness many times in order to become predators of women and of oftentimes, yes, their children. Uh, children can learn then from such a dad how to be selfish, how to be manipulative, how to be entitled, how to live like everything's all about them, how to be liars, how to have a spirituality that's just for a show on Sunday morning. Make no mistake, this happens when men love themselves and love their own pleasures more than anything. You say, well, the Bible says they love their pleasures more than they love God. If you love your pleasure more than you love God, you love it more than anything. Because our first responsibility as a created being is to love the Lord our God with all our heart and with all our soul and with all our strength. And it is there that a river flows that flows out of us then to bless our wife and bless our children and bless the world that we live in. And so we are to nurture them. We also are to teach them. And then the last thing is the instruction of the Lord. When the Supreme Court handed down its ruling against required prayer in the public schools, and many of you in this building today were not alive when that happened. I was not only alive, but we were uh, beneficiaries of having a prayer every day before we started school. But the Supreme Court outlawed that some years ago. When that happened, a cartoon was published in the Washington Post showing an angry father waving a newspaper and shouting, What do they expect us to do? Teach the kids to pray at home? 
I'll tell you, we've got all been out of shape all these many years because the Supreme Court outlawed prayer in school. But you know, they never passed a law saying you couldn't pray at home. Do we pray at home? Do we lead our kids in prayer? Not near as much as we ought to. 1 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 8, Paul said, I will therefore that men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands without wrath and doubting. Now, I don't think that Paul was requiring that every time we pray, we have to lift our hands up. But I guarantee you, if we're standing on a corner somewhere with our hands up like this and our head down, most everybody's going to figure out what we're doing. We can be down on our knees doing a lot of things. We can get on our face doing a lot of things. But if you're standing there like this, what he's talking about is not being ashamed of our prayer. Pray everywhere. It all starts at the top, folks, and that's, I guess, what our message wanted, wanted our message to be about today. If children see their parents submitting to each other and submitting to God, if they see them loving each other and loving God, if they see them, then that has a profound impact on them. But if they see their parents living their life saying, I don't care what you think, I don't care how you feel, I don't care what this does to you, I'm going to do what I want you to do, that is a lesson that kids learn all too well. They learn it. They see their parents divided. They lay how to play, learn how to play one of you against the other. And they're really good at that game. Children crave authority. <laughs> they don't know it, but they do. They crave it. Somebody that cares enough about them to tell them what's right and to tell them what's wrong and to enforce consequences if they insist on doing it. They crave it, whether they know it or not. And this morning I want to wrap up just by reminding us all that if you don't establish yourself as that source of authority of what is right and what is wrong in your children's lives, they will turn elsewhere to have somebody else then determine for them what is right and what is wrong. And if you know where they turn, I've got a really big one here. But all those little phones that they've all got in their pockets gives them access to all of their friends, peer group on an unprecedented scale. Put out there then for popular opinion, for whatever's popular, to whatever seems right or whatever seems reasonable or whatever way the cultural wind is blowing and whatever the cultural tide is moving them toward. You see, if they don't have a source of authority in their life that they know is reliable, and that's their parents. And they know their parents are reliable. Why? Because they're telling them the word of God. Then they turn to another. And you know how that turns out. It's not about this morning just raising up our children to adulthood and thinking, well, boy, when that finally gets there, <laughs> it's going to be great. Uh, it is great. Let me tell you, it is awesome. When your, parent, when your kids are grown and you like them, you don't just love them, but you like them, and they're fun, and you can play with them and, and go fishing and hunting and all the things that you always wanted to do that you never got to because when you take a kid to hunting, you don't get to hunt, you know? 
that's time that we're spending with them, and that's the way it should be. But then there comes that time where we can do things together and play Scrabble and stuff. But right now, while our children are still children, while your children are still children, I don't hold myself up as a perfect example this morning. I'm not. My kids will tell you. None of us, we're not even looking at perfection because perfection is not possible. Perfection is unattainable. But we do know the perfect Father. And He has told us exactly what to do. And that is to take His Word and instill it in the lives of our children. Today, boil down to us just in a couple of principles. Uh, require obedience. And bring them, bring them 